Welcome back to another episode of Conversations on the Creek, the podcast from Duck Creek, where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to reimagine the future of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky. I'm Matthew Storty. In today's episode, we're so thrilled to be joined by Tanner Sheehan, VP and General Manager, Claim Solutions at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. We share his perspective on customer experience trends during auto claims and how insurers can better leverage both new and emerging data sources to drive better outcomes. If you haven't heard of LexisNexis Risk Solutions yet, you definitely should have because they've been on the show before. But in any event, LexisNexis Risk Solutions harnesses the power of data and advanced analytics to provide insights that help insurers reduce risk and improve decisions to benefit people around the globe. Tanner, so glad we're able to get together today. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Matthew. Good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you, Tanner. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah, it's me be too. Great conversation. Like I said, and uh, yeah, special episode for a couple of reasons. One, you are actually, maybe not you, Tanner, but LexisNexis, the first repeat guest to be on Conversations on the Creek. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, listeners should definitely go back, check out the episode we did last year with George Hosfield on home insurance trends. And secondly, it's a bit of a reunion between you and Matthew here today. That's right. Matthew and I go back, I don't know, probably 10 years, worked together Ten years, for probably yeah. five. Yeah. Yep, where we met at a Duck Creek conference of all places. Yeah. Yep. Back when you were at Lexus. Yep. So. I'll kick it off. So Tanner, you know, I'm a big fan of the LexisNexis insurance demand repeater, uh, demand meter report and your trends report. Um, what are some of the key takeaways from your recent claims trends study? And what does it tell us about the customer experience? Yeah, well, and by the way, the auto trends report you referenced, um, that's coming out like right now. Um, so, so look for that. That's going to cover, that will cover auto trends and claims trends from 2022. Um, what, what you're asking about though, is a, is a study that we conducted specifically for claims last year. And we wanted to really understand how the claims customer experience impacted policyholder retention, um, and, and specifically switching. So how it impacted a person's decision to leave one carrier and go to another, um, we, we looked at it in two ways, really. So the first thing we did is we, we looked at all the industry data we have um, and conducted really a retro analysis. And what we did is we looked at millions and millions of policies that had experienced a claim. We lined those up next to millions and millions of policies that hadn't, but made a like for like comparison. Same tenures, same household compositions, same credit based insurance scores so that we had a, we had kind of a level playing field there. And then we looked at that, the policyholder stickiness after a claim, and we compared it to the same type of policyholder that didn't experience a claim. Um, what we found there is policies that have a claim are 35% more likely to switch carriers in the 180 day period following a claim than the very similar types of policies that didn't experience a claim. So um, interesting stat. Um, but the problem with that is it's really just a stat, not much you could do with it. So we actually went out and conducted a consumer survey. And, and that was really to say, all right, well, we know what happens to policies um, statistically, 
Now, what were the thoughts and feelings of people who had claims and what caused them to do what they did? Um, and so we interviewed about 1,400 consumers, all, all carried um, full coverage policies. They were all first parties and they'd all had a claim in the 12 months before. Um, and we asked them tons of questions about their service experience. But the, the, the chief question was, did the claim experience you had cause you to switch carriers or consider switching carriers? And 33% of those consumers said yes. Uh, and we can go into the reasons for that, but um, that study has been, been very popular with carriers. Uh, we're issuing a white paper on it here in the next couple of weeks. So um, happy to talk about that further if you want to. Yeah, well, and Tanner, I mean, I, I, I saw the, the study and one of the interesting things about the survey I thought was about self-service and how you're seeing in the market like this trend where carriers are trying to embrace better self-service. But I think one of the things that your survey showed was there was actually a correlation where people were more likely to switch if they actually went through a self-service experience. Um, and so I'm looking at that as, well, is this really an opportunity maybe for the industry to say, maybe we need to improve the way we're doing self-service? Um, yeah, yeah. And clearly one of the, one of the insights from the survey that made you, made you pause, right? Um, uh, the, 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 the switchers are the people more likely to switch. We're more likely to prefer self-service and therefore also uh, more likely to rely on it, right? And so we asked a question that said, hey, in your claim, did you rely more on the adjuster or more on self-service or did you rely about about equally on both. And what we call the flight risks, which are really the people that either switched or went out and got quotes, but didn't end up switching. Um, uh, those people uh, were 74% more likely to rely more on self-service than on the adjuster. So um, definitely, definitely opportunities for improvement. I think, I think all carriers know that. Um, and, and it may not have been it, it's not always the self-service itself that's the hard part. It's how to blend the self-service with the adjuster assistance that can that can be tricky. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering, did you uh, did you delve a little bit more into the self-service aspect? It, it definitely makes me think of one thing that Matthew and I chatted with Brian Falchuk on on a prior episode of Conversations on the Creek, and you know it was that just because you put self-service in place as a carrier, not necessarily means that you've set up the best self-service experience. And, you know, the example he gave was, yeah, you want to let people talk to you, but is forcing them to go through your mobile app the best means possible when you could just take a just text them approach or, you know, just put it on your website and, and reduce the friction that's there. What was, were there any insights like that that came in around self-service or were there some other, or, or, or was maybe that's something for, for follow-up? Well, I think, yeah, um, you, you can't lock people into the self-service, into a self-service channel, right? You've got to allow the, allow some flex there. Um, that was definitely one insight. I think what was most interesting is, um, those, those flight risks, they have heavily, heavily preferred self-service on what you might call the easier parts of the claim. So I've, I want to check my status updates on the app or online. I want to get my payment digitally. Um, I can submit photos and documents online. Cool. 
They actually far preferred help from a human, though, re relative to the to the loyalists, relative to the people that never considered switching as a result of their claim. They much preferred help from a human on um, when they got their estimate back from the body shop. Like, what does this mean? What do I do next? Um, and so, uh, and and also during the FNOL FNOL process, they wanted more help from a human. So you ask them one question: Do you prefer self service or human? They're, they'll say, "I prefer self service, really." But you can't right. stop there because the answer is it actually depends, right? Once I got into the claim, I actually realized well, maybe self service wasn't right for this particular thing for this particular milestone in the claim. Um, so really being omni-channel, um, allowing customers to jump between self-service and adjuster assistance, and even helping or, or watching the process and, and encouraging customers to jump out of a self-service channel when you see things aren't going well, that's probably a, an evolution too. It, it, you know, it, you think of where we've gotten to in quoting, um, you go to some of the major, the, the major carriers that that will write direct, you know, you go to their site, begin a quote, um, they will, they will encourage you onto the phone if they don't think that that quoting session is going really well. Right. Uh, there may be more opportunity for that during the claims process as well. The first touch point to be with a human and then they're, they know that it's in, they know it's being processed and they're, they're good with kind of doing those more, um, I, I don't know if they're mundane tasks, but, but kind of less, high consequence tasks where, where they, they have an idea that the outcome is, is moving in the right direction and, and they'll only yeah. reach out if they need, they need that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you talk to claims leaders, um, it's, it's kind of universally known that, that you've got to set expectations. Everything goes better when you set expectations. And I'm not saying that you can't do that really well digitally or really in a really slick way through an app or, or, or an online process. But um, it does seem like the humans right now might be doing a better job of setting up what to expect, explaining how things are likely to go over the next week or so than the digital processes. That may be a major, major portion of it. Sure, sure. Makes sense. So uh, changing gears slightly, I uh, want to talk to you about time to close a claim, which, as you know, huge metric for the individual adjuster, the claim supervisor, all the way up to the head of claims. And uh, I'm curious, could you maybe tell us about what are some emerging data sources that you think are really helping move the needle and helping insurers achieve those outcomes of faster claim cycle times? Yeah, yeah, and you, you said it, speed. You, you can't say speed is everything. Um, you wanna be accurate. The customer experience is certainly where, where carriers are spending a lot of time and, and dollars today. I, I would even say though that speed speed is such a major part of the customer experience that they can't be divorced from one another. So we actually, we actually focus a lot on speed. I mean, um, in terms of, in, in terms of emerging data sets, I'll, I'll talk first about some of the things we're working on, or we have, we have launched out in market and then just more generally about other things out there that I think are, are already making a big difference, but, sure. um, data, data for triaging, um, it's so related to our to our self service uh, conversation. You've got the market has spent tens, hundreds, I don't know how many millions of dollars 
getting digital and getting these self-service processes out there. Um, and now the question is, well, can I trust every claimant to run through my straight through process? Or are there some that maybe I'm going to need to slow down, right? Fraud is, fraud is an ever-present problem and a growing problem. And fraud is becoming um, international. It's not, it's not just, you know, pedestrian types, petty, petty fraud either. So triaging tools, the data, the data to understand whether you can have the confidence to put the person who's coming to you through a straight through process is a big deal. Um, so we, we talk about it in terms of saying yes with confidence. It's not, it's not about catching the one, two, three percent that are fraudsters or that are looking to stretch the truth or find a chink in the armor. It's more about knowing that the person you have in front of you is fully authenticated, their background looks great, and you can just make it as fast as you can for them. Um, so we have a product called Claims Clarity that's dedicated to, to doing just that. Um, the other thing I'll mention is um, the total loss, the world of total loss is bad and getting worse in terms of the percentage of claims that are, that are total losses. Um, and a lot of that is the old, the old version of a total loss that, you know, as a consumer, you know, which basically in your mind says, well, my car was banged up enough that the cost of the repairs were going to be really close to the value of the vehicle. Therefore, the insurer totaled it. What's happened with supply chain shortages, with the cost to store vehicles at body shops, um, with, with just body shop backlogs in general, is the cost unrelated to the actual repair are getting so big that it's causing carriers to total cars that five years ago wouldn't have been totaled. So now here we sit with this huge number of claims that are total losses. Um, and there are plenty of opportunities to take days out of the total loss settlement process. So we have a product called Vinsights that, that is dedicated to doing just that. And honestly, so much of the data we're providing, you can get from the consumer. Hey, run upstairs and find that old file cabinet that's got your title in it. Read to me what it says on the title so that I know that I can cut the check properly. Read to me who your lien holder is. Do you know how much you owe on, on your car? Um, let me give the bank a call. All of these things can be done manually, but they end up being done over the course of days. Um, we think that so much of that is very, very easy to do in the course of minutes or hours. Um, so we've dedicated a lot of time in Vinsights to solving those problems. So um, those, are, those are our emerging data sets today. Um, I think Chatbot is, uh, I mean, I, I've done a lot of looking at Chatbot. I've talked to a lot of customers who've used it. The NPS results from Chatbot are, are really convincing. Um, talk about omni-channel. That's, that's another way to, to kind of have a digital and human experience all at once. So not only Chatbot, but enabling a texting conversation between um, the, the adjuster and the claimant. Um, that's, that's a big deal. Um, photo estimation, I think, I think continues to get more popular. Um, crash detection, I think is, I think has a long way to go, but there's a lot of interest in crash detection. Um, yeah, th that's, that's a few, few of the things. Yeah, no, de definitely a lot. And, uh, w with that, I know you said cutting the time of the claim down from, uh, you know, you know, maybe weeks to, to several days or even hours. Do you think any of that data is actually could lead to the scenario of the, the 30 second 
claim getting paid or, or, or any of those just mentioned part of part of that scenario? Um, a 30 second total loss. There, there are some impediments to that. If, especially when there's a loan on the car, there are some impediments to that that make that a little difficult. Um, but there, there are carriers today, today that are probably closing certain kinds of claims, glass, et cetera, in, in a minute or two, um, right. or, or with very little, very little, uh, um, very little back and forth. But, um, you know, as the complexity rises, you, you know, the, you just run into these obstacles that right now, maybe they're, they're going to take a day or two or three to get around. Got it. Makes sense. So Tanner, uh, you and I, we've, we've talked about there's various degrees of sophistication in carriers and their use of data and analytics. When you think about claims and the use of data analytics, um, are you seeing some carriers that really set themselves apart in the market from others in their use of data and analytics? And do you have any anecdotes without sharing actual carrier names where, you know, carriers have made a concerted effort to embark on a, on a journey to, to embrace data and analytics, and they were able to actually take their game up, so to speak, and, and provide a better customer experience? Yeah, I, um, I, as you might expect, I think the market is, is spans the board of, you know, I'm not going to say unsophisticated, but I'm going to say the same level of sophistication they had 30 years ago. Right. Yep. Um, that's a good way of saying and it. Then, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and that, that's actually not, that's not a knock. I mean, so much of what, what is done in claims today is done that way because it's worked really well for a really long time. Um, but, but it does kind of span the map from older ways of doing things to more cutting edge ways of doing things. Um, we, we actually, we actually score the market, not, not so much. It's not a score that we publish widely, but we do publish it to carriers when we go and talk to them. We kind of say, we have a rubric for how we see sophistication, especially sophistication around the use of data. And based on our rubric and based only what we know about your interactions with us, here's where we think you land. Um, and, and we find carriers get very interested in that sort of score, especially, and then the next question is the question you asked, which is, well, what, is, what do I look like relative to my peers? Um, so we would say 10 to 20% of the market is sophisticated to very sophisticated. Um, there's a big part of the market that kind of sits in the middle. And then, you know, a 10 to probably 30% that is on the, on the lower end of, of sophistication. When we talk about sophistication, we, it's kind of a spectrum and um, I'll just give you the, the top and the bottom of the, expect, of the spectrum. So at the bottom would be what we call uninformed, online and reactive. Those are kind of the three little elements. Uninformed doesn't, doesn't mean you don't know anything. It just means you don't have a dedicated strategy for how and when to use data. You are online, meaning you're using portals like our Accurate Portal or the, you know, portals that are really popular from our competitors. Um, but you're online and you're pulling, you're hunting and pecking and you're kind of pulling, relying on the adjuster's judgment and pulling as needed. So it's the individual's finally, discretion kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then you're reactive. Yeah. Something happens and then somebody goes, oh, I should go pull this piece of data to see what I, you know, to see what I can learn from it. Mm. That'd be at the bottom. At the top then is, 
Well, at the top is the opposite of that informed, integrated and proactive, you know, and, the, and so the integrated pieces, I'm not online in a portal. I'm, I'm working with my data suppliers in a system to system way um, where, where things are, um, where I am managing the use of data at the enterprise or at least at the claims leadership level through business rules. Some of the data I'm acquiring, I am surfacing to my adjusters in the claim system for them, for them, them to use their judgment to go and, and take the next step. Some of it, I'm dictating what the next step is, is and, and sort of sits behind the scenes. Um, and so, and, and then obviously the proactive piece, it's almost like having the plan for each claim before the claim happens and moving the, the pieces of data around from all of your suppliers to uh, power that plan. Yep. And do you, have you seen like you've, um, you know, without, like I said, sharing, yes. name, but have you seen someone actually say, look, I want to get to that next level and I'm going to do the work to do it. And they've done it. And the data actually proved out that they made the right choices and in investments. Yes. Yes. And it, and it, again, that runs the board because yep. we have carriers embrace it and go, this is going to be my long-term roadmap. Right. And, and so Here's, here are the resources I have and the money I have. Can you help me fill in the blanks on how to move from it's level one? We have five levels. So from level, I'm at level two. I want to move to level three next year, but by 2028, I want to be at level five. And we have had other carriers that were at level three that went to level five in, six, in, in under a year, six months, nine months, uh, things like that. Um, they don't all do it with the specific goal of closing claims faster, but they all end up closing claims faster. Um, you know, when, when you're online and you're reactive and you're relying on, you know, tens of thousands of your adjusters who all have different gut feels and all kind of make different decisions, you can, you can spend, those adjusters can spend a lot of money on your behalf that if you had better controls through a machine to machine connection, you wouldn't spend. Yep. So there's also just a pure cost savings benefit too in terms of the cost of data. So so the motivations can be different, but universally they do they do get a speed to close from from you know powering the whole process with data. Interesting. So Tanner, uh, before we get closer to wrapping up here, I did want to come back to something you mentioned before, which was around crash crash detection data, and. Given the rise of connected cars, uh, I'm curious, what do you see as the big opportunities in the future for making more use of crash detection data and other telematics, uh, you know, after an accident happens? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I know you couched it in the, in the context of connected cars, and I think that's really important. In the telematics world, connected cars is where LexisNexis is solely focused, and we have a lot of partnerships with OEMs. Um, to, to do that. What I would say though, is that probably the first frontier of crash, crash detection, not probably, the first frontier of crash detection is actually coming out of mobile phones. Um, sure. And, and there, are, there are problems with that. I mean, the, the quality of data, the, the accuracy and the precision of the data is going, to, is going to be much better coming out of the connected car. But number one, there aren't enough connected cars on the road to do that at scale. Number two, even those that are connected 
aren't necessarily set up at the OEM level to generate the um, generate data at a, at a at a frequent enough hertz to do what CARES would ultimately like to do with that sort of thing. So, so mobile phones are the way right now. Um, and I think, well, I think there are a lot of carriers doing, doing stuff with, with crash detection today. I think that most of that is, go, is, is on the softer side. So um, more, more on the service side of crash detection. So, hey, we, we noticed an impact. Did you have an impact? Everything okay? Can we call an ambulance for you? Can we dispatch right. a tow truck? Um, and all of that is part of the claims customer experience. And I think that mobile, mobile does really well for that. I think there are some providers in crash detection that are pretty good at detecting crash, you know, have a high rate of, of accuracy at, at detecting high speed crashes. The challenge becomes lower speed crashes. It becomes harder to, you know, separate a crash, a 10 mile per hour crash from a pothole or from the phone moving around the vehicle or something like that. So still challenges right. with mobile, but definitely um, that's the place where we see carriers getting a head start, starting to learn, and if nothing else, engaging their customers. But again, we've placed a big bet on the connected car. We're having active conversations with automakers about <clears throat> exposing more data through their feeds to us so that we can power essentially bigger use cases and claims around, around reconstructing the accident and knowing really what was happening in and importantly around the vehicle at the time that, that the impact occurred. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, people, it's in its infancy, but people would appreciate being notified, hey, you've been in a crash, like, can we help you out? But at the same time, if they have a little, you know, tiny sun and stop at 10 miles an hour and you're, you're pinging them all the time, does that get annoying? It kind of reminds me of when you're just kind of changing lanes or you're in one of those newer cars and your, your mirror blinks almost seemingly yeah. when there's just someone riding back there, but you're not really in any way in danger. And so I think, yeah, I agree with your point. Yeah. We've got to figure I, out a way to, to the, find the right balance. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think that's the danger is, you know, there's a school of thought that says, hey, how bad is it if your carrier checks on you because they think you've been in a crash? That's kind of that's kind of sweet, right? Even if you weren't in a crash. Right. <laughs> Um, but, but there reaches the point and you mentioned, you mentioned ADAS systems and some of the bells, literal bells that we have in our cars. Um, there's a point where it gets, it gets annoying and then you want to turn it off and that that's a bad thing. Right. Um, but, but I don't know, I don't, I'm not close enough to what's going on in the smartphone crash detection space to know if they've figured out that right balance of of alerts and notifications with, you know, staying, staying out of the, you know, keeping themselves not annoying. Sure. The false positives. There you go. I don't know why keeping yeah. themselves not annoying is <laughs> the most inarticulate thing I've said today. <laughs> so Tanner, last question, you know, um, if you were to look ahead to the year 2030, you know, what's your future vision and how insurance carriers are going to leverage data analytics in their core systems, their claim systems, to improve the auto claims customer experience. Um, so, so for us again, we have an extreme focus on making claims happen, the claims process work faster, and and we just think that if you can solve for speed, you can solve for so many other things right along with it. Um, and so, so for us, uh, one big thing is 
helping carriers avoid asking questions of claimants that they could already know the answer to. And this is a, it, it seems like a no brainer to us at LexisNexis having done so much in the, in the quoting and underwriting space. That's, that's where the market went there so quickly. And now you have carriers in the quoting and underwriting space going, how do I provide a quote without asking any questions? Any, yep. Right. Um, I think claims is going to, is going to need to follow that lead. And I think they're probably inspired to follow that lead so much. And, and so much of what we provide is, as I mentioned, like in our Invinsights or to loss product, it's not things that the carrier can't eventually find out with enough questions and enough waiting and enough reminders and enough phone calls out to the claimants. Um, it's just stuff that we could give them instantaneously and, and they could move the thing along and they could um, uh, reduce the feeling from the claimant that they're being interrogated or they're being asked to tell the same story more than one time on the same claim. Um, so actually, I think, you know, my vision that's not too ambitious of a vision for most carriers to be doing, to, to have that philosophy by 2030. But if most carriers had that philosophy by 2030, um, you, you would notice significantly better customer satisfaction scores and claims. You would notice significantly better cycle times. Um, the actuarial results would be tighter, yeah. cleaned up, things like that. So um, I, I could mention, I could mention, much fancier and much more far-flung things. But for us, we're actually just focused on using using the data that's available to you to make the claim work faster without having to bother your claimants to get it. That's great. Rob? Yeah, well, I think a uh, good time to wrap up here today. Tanner, thanks for joining us. We'll definitely have to put a link to uh, your recent consumer survey in the show notes um, and uh, look out for that white paper that you mentioned coming in, in the coming weeks. It may even be out by the time this episode drops. So thank you Great. again for coming on to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yep, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. Before we conclude today's episode, I'd like to highlight that at Duck Creek, we currently have 10 integrations with LexisNexis Risk Solutions. To learn more about them, visit duckcreek.com slash content hyphen exchange and use the filter for LexisNexis. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and visit duckreet.com slash podcasts. Until then, we'll see you in the next episode.